All right, grab your Bible with me this morning. Open it to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. We have been in a series as we've been studying through the book of 1 John. The series is called, I Am a Christian. I thought some of you might have figured that out. By now, I've been wearing this shirt for four weeks in a row. I'm ready for this message series to get over because this shirt is smelly. Not really, I only wear it on Sundays. Just like my work, I only work on Sundays too, right? We've been talking about what it means to be a Christian. What does God's word say? If I say I am a Christian, what does that mean? Here's what we've decided so far. It means I believe in Jesus. It means I have God's spirit in me. It means I choose God, not the world. And this morning, we're going to talk about the fact that when we say I am a Christian, it means I live like I'm forgiven. I live like I am free, like I am forgiven. See, here's what we discover. Forgiveness is a huge part of our Christian values. It's a huge part of our Christian beliefs. In fact, you, you could say that it's kind of the foundation of our Christian beliefs because we believe that everyone needs forgiveness because no one, ourselves included, is perfect according to God's word and to God's truth. Therefore, our imperfection is a part of our life. It's a part of our sin nature. We're born with it, but our imperfection does not have to stay that way because of Jesus and the cross and the resurrection. See, the consequences of our sin, of our sin nature, is eternal death or separation from life because God is life. And when we say, I want to choose to live life my own way, we're actually saying, I want to choose to be away from life. Now, we're reminded that forgiveness is the reason Jesus came. It's the reason Jesus died on the cross. It's the reason he rose from the dead. All of it is to allow complete forgiveness to take place in you and in me and in all of humanity. And when we admit that we're not perfect, when we believe in his death and resurrection, we are forgiven, we are saved, and eternal life becomes our reality. When we say, I am a Christian, we are saying, I am forgiven, and I'm going to live like it. Now, forgiveness and unforgiveness are also huge because they can affect everything in our life. All aspects of our life can can find it being affected by forgiveness and unforgiveness. It affects our identity as humans. It affects the relationships we have. If, if there's some unforgiveness in a relationship, that relationship is definitely being affected by that unforgiveness. Forgiveness and unforgiveness affects the lifestyles we choose. It affects how we choose to treat people and talk to people, and it affects the people we love and the people we hate. We actually have started wars and killed thousands, millions of people over unforgiveness. It affects everything we do personally and globally. It affects the way we think about life, about mortality, about eternity. It affects our health. It affects our health physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. All of it affected by whether we are forgiven or not. This is why forgiveness is extremely important in our lives today. Now, let's look at what John says about forgiveness because here in 1 John chapter 1, especially verse 9, we have 
a key verse in the New Testament, a verse that we often go to look at when we talk about forgiveness and being set free from our sins. I want to give us some context, so I'm going to read from verse 5 through verse 9 to chapter 2, verse 2. So follow along with me. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation this morning. It says, this is the life-giving message we heard him share, him being Jesus Christ. This is the life-giving message we heard him share, and it's still ringing in our ears. We now repeat his words to you. God is pure light. You will never find even a trace of darkness in him. If we claim that we share life with him, but keep walking in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds him, we share unbroken fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us from all sin. If we boast that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and are strangers to the truth. But if we freely admit our sins, when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ, and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we claim that we're not guilty of sin, when God uncovers it with his light, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You are my dear children, and I write these things to you so that you won't sin. But if anyone does sin, we continually have a forgiving redeemer who is face to face with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. What a great section about the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and what you and I receive as we live in him. I want to start by talking about some of the truths about forgiveness that we find in these verses, some of the things that we can unpack about forgiveness that John tells us about here. So here's, here's five things that we can discover about the truth about forgiveness. The first one is this, that forgiveness is possible because of Jesus. And we could say only because of Jesus. That forgiveness comes into our life because of what Jesus has done. Here's some of the verses we looked at. 1.9 said, God is just to forgive us of our sins because of Christ. Then verse 1 of chapter 2, but if anyone does sin, we continually have a forgiving redeemer who is face to face with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So when we say, I am a Christian, we are believing that the perfect life Jesus lived allowed him to be a sacrifice on the cross for our actions, for our words, for everything we do in our life that is contrary to God's truth. So all the things that you and I do that don't line up with the truth of God on his planet, then you and I can receive forgiveness for those things because of what Jesus has done. Now, this is what separates Jesus from anyone else on the planet. No one else on the planet was perfect. No one else on the planet died for our sins. We've had a lot of good people that 
had a lot of good ideas, but nobody has been able to pay for our sin. Nobody has ever been able to forgive us completely and give us eternal life because they rose from the dead. Only Jesus Christ has done that. That's why we need him. Here's another truth about forgiveness. Jesus' sacrifice covers our own sin, our own personal sin, but also the sins of the entire world. In chapter 2, verse 2, it said, He, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. In other words, what John is saying is that when Jesus died on the cross, right before he died on the cross, the Bible tells us that all of our sin was placed upon him. Everybody's, past, present, and future, everybody on the planet's sins were placed on Jesus Christ. In that moment, the Bible tells us that God actually pulled his presence away from Jesus Christ. That's that moment where Jesus cries out because he's, not, he's now not in perfect relationship with his father anymore because the sin of the world has come upon him. The father pulls his presence away and Jesus dies in that moment with a great cry. It is finished. And what is Jesus saying in this moment? My sin, your sin, the world's sin, it's done. It's paid for. It's finished. What a great moment in history. See, Jesus' death on the cross pays for your sin and mine. But the truth that Jesus' sacrifice covers our sin and everyone's sin needs to be connected with the next truth. And that's the truth in 1 John 1, 9. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, but if we freely admit our sins or confess our sins. If we freely admit our sins when his light uncovers them. Has anybody ever had God uncover your sin? <laughs> oh, don't you hate it? <laughs> like you love it and hate it at the same time. It's a love-hate relationship we have with sin, right? Even with forgiveness, because it's like, oh, now my sin has been exposed. This is really awful. It hurts, but I'm going to admit it. I'm going to confess it. And whoa, that feels great to be forgiven. It's a love-hate relationship. But if we freely admit our sins when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us and get this, every time. Every time. God is good. See, the free gift of forgiveness is available to us because of Jesus. But that doesn't mean it's attainable yet. It's available, but it's not attainable until you and I confess with our mouth, I made a mistake. That's when it fully takes root in your life and you are forgiven. See, the gift is before you. Your confession, your admission of your sin is how you get to unwrap the gift and experience the gift and live in the gift. But you don't get to open the gift until you admit what you've done. See, the forgiveness is only apportioned to you and I when we tell Jesus what we have done wrong and we admit that we are not perfect. Now, is this a biblical truth? Yes, it is. In fact, in the most important prayer we have in all of the Bible, the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said what? He told us to pray this. And Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
This is the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus says, every single time you pray, you should have a prayer of confession and admission of your sin in your prayer, and I will forgive you. Now, if you're a parent in the room of little kids, I want to encourage you to model this to your kids. When you get to pray at bedtime with them, that's a great opportunity for you to model for your kids what it means to pray and to ask for forgiveness and to start that really good spiritual habit of admitting our sin and confessing our sin so that Jesus can be exalted in our lives. So pray each night for Jesus to forgive their sins and yours and, and model that as a good parent. And those of us that are no longer parents anymore and we're adults, we get to do it in our own lives. All right, here's another truth that John tells us about forgiveness. John said this, we're fooling ourselves if we think sin doesn't exist in us and in the world. That we're literally fooling ourselves. Now, remember when we started this series, I, I talked about some of the history that was happening in the first century church. And I talked about the fact that in the first century church, there was a group of people that were making false claims about Jesus Christ and false claims about the doctrines that were in the Christianity at the time that exalted Jesus. Well, this happens to be a section of verses where John is talking about some of those claims that those people who have now left were making and how the church cannot believe those claims. Now, here's, here's what we notice. In John, in, in verse 8 of chapter 1 and in verse 10, Here's, here's what John says that reminds us that we can't, we can't claim certain things about life that just aren't true. And that many times it's just the enemy's way of manipulating us to get us to believe something so we don't walk in the goodness of God. But here's what John said. He said, if we boast that we have no sin, so we say, I don't have any sin. I'm perfect. I don't know who would ever say that. But apparently there was a group of people that were saying, I'm perfect. Don't let me in that group, right? But here's a group that was saying, we are perfect. We don't believe that we actually have sin in our life. John says, if you believe that, you're only fooling yourself and you're a stranger to the truth. In other words, you don't understand the truth. You don't understand how real life works in or outside of the Bible. We're all sinners. And then in verse 10, he says, well, maybe you might claim, okay, I'm, I'm not, I'm, maybe I'm a sinner, but I'm not guilty of that sin. It's just something I do uh, because of my sin nature, but I'm not really guilty of it. God knows that I'm not guilty, and it's just uh, who I am as a human, and so he's okay with that. John refutes that as well. In verse 10, he says, if we claim we are not guilty of sin, when God uncovers it with his light, then we make him out to be a liar and his word is not even in us. In other words, we don't even understand why Jesus went to the cross if we think we can continue to live a guilty, sinful life. The last thing is this, which is kind of in tandem with the fourth one. The purpose of forgiveness is to stop sinning. In verse 1, John said, You are my dear children, and I write these things 
so you won't sin. Now, this is super important because another one of the false ideas that was sneaking its way into the first century church was this thought, this idea, this kind of a doctrinal thing that the reason Jesus went to the cross was so that I could continue on purpose to sin and Jesus would forgive me. Follow me? Sounds weird, but it was a thought process. That, that actually the grace and forgiveness and mercy of Jesus is awesome. And therefore, we should regularly be a part of that awesomeness. And the way that we can be a part of God's grace is by sinning on purpose and then going to Jesus and asking for forgiveness so that his grace can cover our life. And John says, that's utter nonsense. We don't receive forgiveness from Christ so we can continue to sin. We receive forgiveness from Jesus so we can stop sinning. Now, this was a prevalent thought process throughout the New Testament church. So much so that the Apostle Paul talked about it as well in the Roman church. In Romans chapter 6, Paul said it like this. So what do we do then? Do we persist in sin or continue? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? Here's his answer. What a terrible thought. We have died to sin once and for all as a dead man passes away from this life. So how much, so how could we live under sin's rule a moment longer? Here's what's interesting. Many, most Greek scholars believe that this answer that Paul gave when he asks this question, do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? His answer is the most demonstrative use of the Greek words that we have in all of the New Testament. In fact, a direct translation of it would be this. Should we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? Paul would say, hell no. That's crazy talk. Are, are you crazy? You think Jesus went to the cross so you could keep sinning? That Jesus was dying on the cross thinking, this is awesome. People will continue to be rude and horrible and evil to one another and I'll just cover it. That's not what Jesus went to the cross for. Yet there was a group of people that were believing that. And so John and Paul and Peter in another instance all address it in the New Testament church and say, folks, come on, we, this is really awful thinking. We cannot go there. The forgiveness of Jesus Christ is so that we will be free from our sin and pursue righteousness. So these are some of the truths about forgiveness. But as you and I apply this to our life and we think about the truths about forgiveness the challenge that you and I have is, then why is it so difficult for us to embrace the truth about forgiveness that we have in Christ? Why does it become so challenging and so difficult? Well, John gives us some light in that as well. Listen to what John said. In verse 6, he said, one of the reasons that we don't embrace the forgiveness of Christ is simply because we walk in darkness. We simply like the darkness more than the light. 
We simply like the stuff in our closet. We like to live in the world. We like to embrace our sin. There's certain sinful habits that we like in our life, and we simply don't want to go to Jesus with those. We know it's wrong. We know we need forgiveness, but we just like walking in the darkness. I don't know about you. I've been there before. It's just part of our sin nature, but we need to go to Jesus with it. The other reason that we might have difficulty embracing the truth of Jesus' forgiveness is we don't understand the truth. In verse 8 and verse 10, John said, we simply don't understand the truth about forgiveness. We don't understand light and darkness, right and wrong, good and evil. We don't understand the, the, the immensity of the cross of Jesus Christ and what Jesus did for us. We don't understand the truth, and so we don't walk in his forgiveness. Another reason we might have difficulty embracing the truth of Jesus' forgiveness is because we simply don't want to admit that there's something wrong. And this is inside all of us, isn't it? Inside all of us, inside of our sin nature, there is this propensity to hide our sin. This propensity to put it in the closet and close the door and put a lock on it. And not let anybody see it and do things in secret that we don't do in public. This is just part of our sin nature. It's not normal for us. To, to just openly share our deepest, darkest failures with everybody, right? At least I don't. Did anybody get that in the commons today? <laughs> like normally when we're in the commons, right? The first thing I see you at church, I say hi to Doug. Doug doesn't walk right up to me and go, oh, Pastor Mark, I got to tell you about the crappiest thing I did this week. Like, that's not what we do. We don't do that. We hide our sin, don't we? And that's one of the reasons it makes forgiveness difficult. But that's why John says in 1 John 1, 9, let me encourage you, whenever you admit your sin to Jesus, he will forgive you every time. So I encourage you, take your sin to Jesus Christ and let him forgive you. The last one is something that I believe is the most prevalent in our culture and is partly the reason that we are the way we are today and that we see the degradation of Christianity and goodness worldwide. It's the reason why Jesus' forgiveness is so difficult to embrace. John addressed it in verse 8 and 10, and it's simply this. We don't think we're guilty of anything. Now, this happens to be the way the world is today. Because our world is saying what? I'm not guilty of anything because I don't believe the truth of God's word. So the world doesn't recognize the things that make us guilty like God does. The world doesn't recognize that God gave us the Bible to help us understand right and wrong, to understand the things that are uh, not good for us to do to one another or to ourselves and to repent of those things when we do them. The world is saying, I'm not guilty of anything because I've made up my own rules. I've made up my own context, and I'm deciding how I get to live. Now think with me for a moment. How would you convince a planet to live the opposite of God's design for them? How, how would you convince a planet to live in the goodness of God and to live, live in the righteousness of God? Well, it's simple. You convince that world that what God says is wrong. And that's exactly the world in which we live. What God says is wrong and what the world says is right. And what God says is right, the world says is wrong. 
That's the day in which you and I live. That's what's happening among us. This is how Satan has tricked us all. This is the great manipulation that he has been working on for eons. It's how he has manipulated us to get us to think that our sin nature is right. And he connects it with the feelings of our sin nature because there are desires and feelings that our sin nature has. And because those feelings and desires are strong, it's very easy for the enemy to connect those and then begin to get us to think that those things are not wrong when they actually are. Now, it's taken Satan a while to work this manipulation into our world. But this is, if you think about it, a perfect scenario for the enemy of our soul. Follow the manipulation that he now does today. We now say, because we've listened to him too long for many generations, I don't need forgiveness because I'm not doing anything wrong. There's nothing I need forgiveness for. What you say is wrong is not really wrong at all. In fact, you're wrong for saying something is wrong. And you're wrong if you say anything is wrong in my life or in the world. Isn't that the condition of our world today? It's what we think. And as a result, Satan has manipulated humanity into a perfect place to ignore the free gift of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. This is why embracing the truth about Jesus' forgiveness is difficult. It's also why Jesus' forgiveness is so important for our planet. Let me ask another question. How do you feel when you're forgiven? How do you feel when this enormous weight has been lifted off of you. Don't you feel great? It's a great feeling when maybe you've had a conflict in a relationship and it's strained and it's been that way for a couple days or a couple weeks and you go to one another and you ask for forgiveness and it's no longer strained. That's awesome. For instance, let me, uh, how would you feel if all your financial debt was forgiven? Wouldn't you feel good? No more house payment? No more car payment. In fact, you could get another car payment if your house payment was off, right? No more car payment. No more house payment. All your student loans are gone. That's a great feeling. Well, our sin is far worse than any financial debt. Spiritual debt is way worse and has far worse consequences than financial debt. We also feel like a new life has begun for us when we are forgiven, especially when God forgives us. Because Jesus' forgiveness does exactly that. It gives us a new life. The Bible says we're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We've been born again, the Bible says. Another thing that happens or another thing that we feel when we're forgiven, we feel like giving because after, after someone has forgiven you, you feel like giving to others what you've received. So you just become a giver of that same forgiveness. You also feel less stress or worry. Because here's the truth. All of us, when we are unforgiven, there's this nagging feeling in us that something's not right. 
Even if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's always this nagging feeling that something's not right. And, and everything else in your life is perfect. It's good. You're making a good income. Your family's great. But you go to sleep at night and there's just this nagging feeling. What is that? Well, you're, you're just not right with your heavenly Father. The creator of this planet and the creator of your life, there's still this nagging unforgiveness. It's just resident in your soul until it's taken care of. When it is taken care of and you receive Jesus as your savior, the stress and the worry of that unforgiveness is immediately released and gone. See, we've seen the truth about forgiveness. We, we know why it's difficult to embrace Jesus' forgiveness. We understand the greatness of how it feels when we are forgiven. All this makes it possible for us to live like we're forgiven. That's my last encouragement to you this morning. Live like you're forgiven. What does that look like? Well, the first thing that happens when you and I are forgiven, we feel super thankful. There's just a thankfulness about, about when we've been forgiven. For instance, if, if Bank of America forgave all your financial debt, don't you think you'd at least send a thank you card? Probably. Talk to a bank manager to say thank you. See, when Jesus forgives all of our sin, he deserves thanks, and no one deserves more thanks than Jesus. So let's make our words and our actions a perpetual thanksgiving to Jesus for his forgiveness. Another way we can live like we're forgiven is live to serve. And most importantly, we often live to serve the person that forgave us. There's a natural response once we've been forgiven to say to that person, is there anything I can do for you? You've just done something totally awesome for me. Is there something I could do for you? And that's exactly how we should respond to Jesus. We should say, thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful that you forgave me all of my sin. Is there something I could do for you today? And lastly, when we live like we're forgiven, we want to tell the world how great it is to live free. How great it is to live in a living hope in complete forgiveness, in the grace of God, and in the mercy of Jesus Christ every single day. You want to tell people, this is the go part of who we are. We talk about no, grow, and go here at Genie Faith Center. This is the go part. Live like you're forgiven and tell people what it's like to be forgiven. Acts 26, 18 says it like this. I'm sending you off to open the eyes of the outsiders so that they can see the difference between dark and light and choose light. See the difference between Satan and God and choose God. I'm sending you off to present my offer of sins forgiven and a place in the family, inviting them into the company of those who begin real living by believing in me. This is our opportunity to live like we're forgiven. To show the world light and God and forgiveness. What it's like to live in a forgiven family. What it's like to live real life. 
not to be chasing after every other thing to find my identity and my purpose, but to find it in Christ and know you're okay. I'd like us to respond this morning in a really simple way. Because the first step to living like you're forgiven is to let Jesus forgive you. So I want us to conclude by doing just that, just letting Jesus forgive us. And it's super simple. It's a very simple prayer. We just say, Jesus, will you please forgive me for fill in the blank? So I'd like us to take a moment and just pray that simple prayer because as we pray that prayer, the best part is the answer is always, yes, I'll forgive you. And every time you pray this prayer, you get to be part of a small miracle. You get to be part of a small miracle that happens in you because the course of your life is changed when you embrace the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. When you ask Jesus for the first time to come into your life and you say, Jesus, will you please forgive me for my sin? And I I want you to come into my life because I believe in you as my savior and I believe you died on a cross and rose again for me. When you pray that prayer for the first time and you let Jesus into your life for the first time, you change your life forever. You change the course of your eternity from darkness to light, from death to life. That's a very simple prayer, but can you see how it's miraculous because you've changed the course of your your present and your eternity? But also those of us that are living for Christ right now. Every single time we pray this prayer, Jesus, will you please forgive me for fill in the blank? Small part of our life receives victory because the enemy of our soul no longer has a hold on us. And so the victory of Jesus Christ takes root again in our life as the forgiveness of God comes in and makes us clean and pure and we get to live today and the next day without sinning as possible as we can. And so this morning, could we take a moment and just pray this prayer? Pray it under your breath. Doesn't need to be anybody else's business. It's just between you and Jesus. But could we just admit who we are, admit what's going on in our life, and let a small miracle take place in each of us this morning as we admit our sin and let Jesus say yes to forgiving us. Let's take a moment to do that. Would you stand with me this morning and let's just close in a quick word of prayer.
Lord Jesus, we thank you that we are forgiven. We thank you that you left heaven, came to earth, died on a cross, and rose again for all of eternity to conquer death in us and give us eternal life. This morning, Lord, we say, I'm a Christian, and I want to live like I'm forgiven. So would you help us? Would you give us the strength, first of all, to live as righteous people that honor you in everything we say and do so that we're not sinning as much as possible? But would you help us to be faithful, to go to you, ask for forgiveness, admit our sin, confess it to you, and receive forgiveness? Would you make it a daily part of our life? And would it remind us every day to defeat the enemy in us and to live in the victory we have in Jesus Christ? In Jesus' name we pray we all said, amen, amen. amen. Well, great to see you this morning. Thanks for coming to church. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.